So if you're interested in discovering what it takes to succeed long-term in this game of real estate, this episode will hit you like a ton of bricks. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott, so hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. Oh man, it's one of those days I've got a crazy full schedule. Um, I'm squeezing this in uh, at the opening and the close to this just before crank out to go talk with a, a new property manager. What, do we, what is on the day today? I got a, a property manager conversation, two, two coaching calls, um, an update on two projects that we're looking to do, we have to review some build plans and what else? There's something, I think I'm missing something, but anyways, I'm here, I am present, I'm focused, I got my ZOA energy drink rocking, and I'm honored to be here with you fine folks. So first and foremost, um, well, it's been a couple crazy weeks. It's interesting, before I get into kind of the topic of this conversation, now, first and foremost, this isn't an interview, this is a conversation that you're going to be listening to. This was one of those um, uh, podcasts that I had the great honor to be on, um, Jose and Khadija um, Jafergi uh, with the Savvy Real Estate Investors Show uh, had me on as a guest on their podcast. And this is a recording of that. And I had the great honor that I could share some wisdom and some insights of doing this for almost 23 plus years. And um, was just honored to catch up with Jose and his lovely wife. And we just had a fantastic conversation. This was this, you will find this is very conversational style. And that's, that's one of the things they just made me feel so, so at home. They, they do a wonderful job. So I highly encourage you to check out their podcast. And that's the, I believe I might get the name a little bit wrong, but it's the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. So definitely there'll be a link in the show notes below of this podcast episode and definitely check them out. Definitely give them a subscribe. They're doing some really cool things. And we had a wonderful opportunity to catch up. All right. So what's been going on? Uh, everybody is, you know, it's interesting how the market a little bit right now, um, real estate wise, everybody's on a, a, a couple pins and needles. Like honestly, the, the roller coaster ride of the market is one minute people are, I'm the top of the world. Next minute, I just suck. I'm on the top of the world. I suck. Like honest to goodness, gang, <laughs> the, the, um, the emotional roller coaster that people are, are on right now now is is very palpable can definitely feel it and definitely hear it in a lot of the conversations that I'm having with people now totally get it I understand I've been through this this is some of those days when you get up in the morning it's just like the anxiety level is high the fear maybe gets a little bit high and you're just sitting there going what the heck do I do today? It's just like, I want to just jump back into bed, put my eyes over my head, you know, put my hands over my eyes and hands over my ears and go, la, 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 everything is wonderful. <laughs> but you know what? That never, ever solves anything. And as a matter of fact, um, some of the biggest mistakes I have made in real estate has been when I ignored a problem. When the problem, um, I just didn't hit it head on. I just let it kind of slide. I lowered my tolerance for that problem of, of fixing it. And you know what? It never gets better. 
ever. Um, you know, maybe you get that temporary daily dopamine that you didn't have to deal with something ugly. Maybe you get that temporary feeling that, oh, I'll just kick that can down the road and you feel a little bit better. But at the end of the day, gang, and, and take this from somebody who has lived it for years and years and years, it never gets better until you actually take ownership and responsibility for it and deal with it head on. Now, I'm not, when I say the you, I'm actually looking at myself in a mirror here at the same time. Um, I'm saying this to myself at the same time, because, you know, we all have things that we just need to deal with. I too, I have many things that I need to deal with. And some of the things that there'd be, you know, I'd rather have a root canal without any Novocaine or without any freezing than to deal with something like that, but never gets better. You just deal with it head on and then you just move forward. So here's a couple of the conversations I've been having and, and interesting on the conversations I've been having with people. Sometimes perspective is needed. That's all it really is, is just needed. And, and sometimes when you're, you're in it really, really deep and you're in it um, and you don't look outside of your local market or outside of your province, you don't look outside, you just are really knee deep in it, things can get a little scary. They really can. Um, for example, I've had some multiple conversations with people recently of the latest Bank of Canada prime interest rate increase that happened uh, a week ago. Um, what was it? Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week um, that that came out, that quarter point jump. And it's interesting at this quarter point jump has been one of the ones that, you know, people are more concerned with this one than all the previous ones leading up to it. And, and I get it. It's it's you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty in the marketplace, but I'm just going to give you some perspective because one of the things that I have as um, I'm truly honored and blessed to have is I have a national perspective. I have a national perspective of many different marketplaces. I have a national perspective of many different areas and property types. And I have conversations with people on a national basis. And by and large, the what I would call maybe the jittery conversations I'm having are with people that are in Ontario and British Columbia. Okay. A lot of people are fearful about the market. Maybe the market they feel is at a peak. Maybe it's the uh, unaffordable. Um, maybe um, they start seeing some scary headlines in BC or Ontario and um, they're starting to, you know, pull the, pull the pin a little bit and they're being a little bit fearful and ah, heck, sell it all, sell, sell everything, just run for the hills. But then on another standpoint, um, I have uh, an honor of coaching a lot of people on the prairies, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and in those, in those provinces, especially Alberta, when I was out there a couple of weeks ago, uh, everybody is sitting there going, holy moly, things are going so fast. We're having shortages. We're having shortages of housing. We have shortages of labor. We're having shortages of, of things. There's so many opportunities that it's, uh, they need things to slow down a little bit just to catch up and catch their breath. Okay. And that's what I'm seeing out in the prairie markets is that there are some incredible opportunities. You know, people maybe in Ontario and British Columbia are fearing, feeling fearful because maybe they feel that they bought at a top of a market and it's unaffordable. And these interest rate rises will just drive things even higher. Or in Alberta, people are sitting there going, we're at a bottom of a market. Things are extremely affordable. People are moving in. As a matter of fact, we need the interest rates to jump up a little bit because we need our rents to start going up again and they are going up okay so how about that for just a different perspective same thing 
real estate market, different areas, different types of properties, different markets see things completely different. So that's the the perspective that I just want to offer you a little bit at the beginning here. Now, speaking of perspective and talking specifically about this episode that we're about to dive into, um, Jose and, and I and uh, Khadija and I, we all dive into, we do a little bit of market update. We find out what everybody's been doing. And here's the interesting thing. We hadn't connected in, in quite a few years. So first and foremost, it was almost like a family reunion. Um, we talked an awful lot about how everybody was doing, what, you know, just catching up on on the projects, catching up on, on what's happening. We talked an awful lot about... Um, you know, inspiration and motivation and how do you succeed long-term in real estate? The one big thing I took out of this one, and I hope you take this as well, and this is the key thing I took away from this, is um, I answered a question this time differently than I probably have ever answered. You know, everybody, when you get onto a podcast, they always ask, you know, better part, you know, for lack of a better terms, the origin story. Like, how did you get started? How did you buy your first place? What was the inspiration? What was the light bulb moment? How did you get into this whole world of real estate? And I answered it a little bit different. Before I sat down and recorded this, I said I wanted to deliver something a little bit different, something I maybe have done, never have done. And I always want to test the message and test how the message lands on an audience of people. So I tried something different. I asked them a question in return and said, so uh, getting started, which version of my story would you like to have? Like, I truly believe I've have, I've have four versions of my origin story. There was the version when I first got started. There was a version when I just went gangbusters. There was a version when I potentially pivoted out of uh, the real estate investment network. And then there's a new version right now of what I'm doing uh, on some of my new projects and, and the new opportunities that I'm seeing right now. And if you're not familiar with it, you'll hear a little bit about this in this episode episode. Plus, if you go back a few episodes, you'll hear even more about what's going on. So the question I ask, and this is going to be a topic of an upcoming presentation I will share, we'll dive deeper into it, is what version of your story are you in right now? Like, if you really sat back and think about like, and I think I used the analogy a couple times is, um, you know, you pick up your phone, let's say you have a mobile phone, every mobile phone has a different operating system, a different version of their operating system. And if I pulled 50 people in a room, there would probably be 30 different operating versions that people are different operating on. So everybody is in a different state and different stage of your investing career. And what version are you on? So that's what we dove headfirst into uh, a lot into this. And mainly it was just a wonderful conversation of catching up amongst um, some, some really players in the marketplace and finding out what's working what's not. So you're going to love this episode. Without any further delay, let's just get right after it. So please help me welcome Jose and Khadija Jafarji. Hey, fellow savvy real estate investors. Thanks for tuning in. We have Russell Westcott on the show today. And I can say, especially for Jose, this is a very, very exciting interview because Russell has been so integral in inspiring, uh, especially Jose, to be where we are today. Um, for those of you who don't know the Real Estate Investment Network, uh, Russell was a big player uh, in the network and uh, used to speak on stage and teach and inspire so many people. And I think that, um, you know, since we joined Rain, 
back in when was it Jose 2012 20 something like something that. like that um the trajectory of our real estate journey really really changed and i think that you know surrounding yourself with the right people and surrounding yourselves with mentors like russell are are so so important and can change things for you so drastically and i also want to add that the beauty about people like russell and some of the other players who were you know teaching and coaching in rain um is that they have seen real estate from you know not just like the last three years or the last five years like you're talking about people who've been in this business and been in this game and seen multiple cycles of it which i think is really really important as we delve into this conversation today because those of us who have been through not even you know we've been through maybe a decade of this but those who have been through multiple decades of this have uh, you know, the scars to show and can speak so much more deeply about um, real estate in general and entrepreneurship and all of the the ups and downs and trials and tribulations that go uh, with with this industry as with many others. So, um, you know, I appreciate you being on the show today, Russell. We're so excited to have you. Maybe, I don't think I did a very good job introducing you. So maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself and, um, you know, how you got started in real estate for those who don't know you and and who's Russell Westcott. Wow. Holy moly. Was that a good intro, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> you just nailed it. Uh, I, hang on a sec. I, I always have some sound effects sometimes. You actually drop the ball, right? With that intro, <laughs> right? So, Bringing the fire early. Bringing the fire. Wow. Right, so. That's pretty cool. I've never had anyone do that on the show. Well, you you're the one bringing the fire and dropping the bombs here, by the way, with that <laughs> intro. Like, I'm centered, honest to goodness, I, I, I had to make a note. I think that's the first time I've ever heard anybody in my introduction ever use beauty and in my introduction. <laughs> no, well, first and foremost, guys, uh, thank you. Um, I'm honored to be on your show. And we finally got our calendar months figured out. I'd, it's funny, I, I, I often wonder the, why the robots are going to eventually take over is because we humans sometimes are, are very flawed. Um, but before we dive into it, and before I do answer that question is um, sometimes I think that's the boring, that's a really boring answer. But but before I do that, um, I just wanted to just acknowledge you guys. You guys are out there and you're now into 60 plus episodes in your podcast. You're giving back. You're leaders in the community. And that doesn't even say nothing with how much you guys are kicking butt with your transactions and your properties. And I'm way out in the West Coast and I'm following you guys from afar and I'm here and I'm telling you, I'm a fan. I'm a huge fan of the work you guys are doing. I'm a huge fan of the transactions you're doing. And we need more of you guys out there in the community inspiring others. So keep going. Just keep, keep, keep pushing, guys. Okay. Oh, Much appreciated. So yeah. <laughs> now, now I, I typically did a the 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 Canadian way of answering. So tell me about yourself. And then we def deflect and we talk about other people. <laughs> <laughs> um interesting. It's funny, that's one of those questions that you get asked a lot. And I was actually just like because I want to deliver some unique and really in depth, in-depth value for your audience. And I was actually thinking about that this morning when I was showering. And and I have a lot of good thinking time in the shower because I have no hair to wash. So I have a lot of time to think. And I was actually thinking about that. My story, um, you know, is, is a complete evolution, has been an evolution over 20, almost 25 years. And the question often asked, as I often say, is, well, which version of my story do you want to hear? Do you want to hear version one, version two, version three? And I'm on actually version four of, of I've just relaunched and re, not rebranded, re-intentioned uh, my, my fourth version of myself. And uh, it's one of those ones, do you guys have a, have a, a preference of which version you want to hear? Do you want to hear version 1.0 or 4.0? <laughs> 
<laughs> it was the 4.0. Well, That's what- 4.0 is, yeah. is I'm yeah. actually in a position right now where I'm having an intersection of doing this for 20, almost 25 years. I'm, I'm, I'm having to make a hard decision if I um, re-up and rebuy and dive di- deeper into my portfolio and, and build out more assets and even buy even more and grow and scale the portfolio. Or do I go more into coaching and teaching and leadership and writing books and producing videos and content and all that kind of stuff. And I'm in, I'm in that decision mode of, of an intersection between those two. And, and, and the answer I'm trying to solve for, the X in the algebra equation I'm trying to solve for, is how can I do both? And I think the answer is there. Well, obviously the answer is there to how to do both, but just a matter of how much time it's going to be, how much resource, how much capital, how much bandwidth I have. And, you know, I ain't, I ain't getting to be a spring chicken anymore. And the, and the runway is getting a little shorter <laughs> for me. So I'm just trying to figure out, you know, do I, do I go hardcore into inspiring a million real estate investors, which I do have a written goal of doing, or do I go into hardcore about building another portfolio of real estate? Because the market in where I'm investing has just presented some incredible opportunities. And I think I would be foolish not to take advantage of them at the same time. So I'm trying to solve both at the same time. So that would be version four. And and the message I'm going to leave with your audience is, no matter how early you are in the game or how long you've been in the game, there's always another level. There's always another version. There's always an origin story. There's always a next level that you can take up. And just because you see somebody, you know, that's built a massive portfolio, and I'm referring to you guys and stuff like that, you built a massive portfolio and you're still buying more and you're elevating and you're, you're changing the game out there. There's another level and you will continue to reinvest and reevaluate you are and evolve, evolve in the process. So the point I'm trying to get to is most people's origin stories are kind of at one point and everybody thinks it's a straight line. It's actually kind of a, a little bit of a, you know, you, you go plateau, you take another leap, you have another inspiring moment, you have another inflection moment and you just take it up to the next level. And that's the question I'm going to start asking a lot of people is what version of your story are you on? And I would say I'm on version 4.0 at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, answer. such a great point because, you know, if you had asked us, uh, you know, about a year and a half ago, we would be on a different path, um, you know, to where we are today because markets change, you know, family life changes, um, business changes. So you evolve and you pivot according to the times, right? Yep. So Well, either adapt point. or die in many respects. Yeah. If you ain't improving, yeah. you're dying and going backwards. And that's something that I, I'm very mindful when I coach people and help people is, you know, it's okay to to have a, a break and a rest. You know, a baby just came along and you want to spend a couple months to just make sure all the routines in place for a new baby. But then at the end of that two months or something like that, what's the next, what's the next plan? What's the next mountain you're going to climb. We're not going to camp here. We're what's the next mountain you're going to climb. So, mm-hmm. so always pushing, but at the same time, you also have to be as a good coach, you also have to eat what you're cooking at the same time because there's an awful lot of people that coach that actually don't eat what they cook. Meaning they 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 don't get coaching themselves or they don't invest into themselves or they don't elevate their game or they don't push themselves up in their real estate investing, but they coach and and I'm not I'm not saying any judgment or not casting any shade on anybody. I just choose 
to be a good, effective coach. I need to eat what I cook and I need to keep pushing my, uh, my envelope as well. Because here's what I do. I push all the people I coach to do bigger results than I'm doing. And many of them are starting to do significantly bigger results than I'm doing. And it's inspiring me to dive back in and get a, even a bigger result coming back. So it's, it's a, the coach relationship is very mutually uh, beneficial and it's very symbiotic all at the same time. Yeah, no, that's a that's a, that's that's a great point. So I want to get into kind of that whole. I I think a lot about this and and you know coaching and social media and goal setting and people's um, how that all ties in together to what we so let's go back to this. How do you determine you, you, you're at this point, you have these two things that are potentially things that are are pulling you. How do you determine what it is that you're going to do? And how do you determine what you're going to use to motivate yourself? Because I think a lot of people, especially newer investors, especially in turbulent times, like we're having right now with economic changes and all that stuff, people look around them. A lot of how they set their goals is based on what they're seeing outside. They're measuring themselves to other people. Oh, this guy has 200 doors. This guy has 400 doors. I only have 50 doors. How do you navigate all of this noise and all of these things around you to make intrinsic decisions that are actually you know, fueling you and driving you forward? Like, what is the the magic behind that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, if, if you, when you find out, you please let me know what that means. <laughs> no, I, th- there's a lot to unpack there. And, and I'll try my best to um, do it from a couple, couple standpoints. Number one, uh, uh, something that my, one of my, you know, are, are you familiar with the term ride or die term? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a ride or die friend in Edmonton who was the best man at my wedding. And honest to goodness, if it was three o'clock in the morning and we both live in different cities, if I needed him to get on an airplane to come pick me up or something, he would, he would be there. Right. He, he said something recently that really resonated with me is just is run your own race. Like, like truly you have your gifts, you have your brilliance, you have what you offer to others, run your own race. And then that's where a lot of people then will sit there and go, well, what the heck is my race? Like, what is my lane? Everybody, all these things, what's my swim lane? What's my race? Uh, Here's the thing is just by doing some personal development work, some um, awareness, here's the thing that I often get people to do is where do you spend the majority of your time? Like if you were sitting there, you know, like I'll ask you guys this question. Like, for example, let's say I'm coaching you right now and, and you're asking, what is our lane? If, if you were to sit there and go 80% of your time within the context of business, outside of family, okay, where would you be spending about 80% of your time right now? At our desks. <laughs> At your desk? Okay. Now, now let's, let's unpack that a bit. At your desk doing what? Deal sourcing, Deal underwriting. Sourcing, underwriting, okay. Um, operations, yep. management of our staff. Now, does that fire you up? Sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing is, most people will gravitate towards um, what they need to do or enjoy to do. Okay? Yeah, um, right. And, and the magic intersection between those two things is can you marry the thing that you need to do with the thing that you love, that you need to do, that you love to do. Okay. And I would say for you guys, like, for example, your lane would probably be is sourcing deals, acquiring deals, uh, reaching out, getting more capital investors, getting more partners on board, um, creating more impactful um, presentations to enroll others into partnering and collaborating with you. That's your lane. 
right? And most people don't know what their lanes are. And I would encourage you to, to take a look at what those lanes are. So for example, for me, my lane is exact, it's very similar to your lane, very similar. Maybe not at the scale that you guys are doing it to. But also I have another lane of where coaching, inspiring, creating content, all that kind of stuff. And that's like I said at the beginning, that's the intersection that I'm having a little bit of challenge with. And I'm trying to wrestle with resources and people and team and outsourcing and stuff because you can only do so much at the same time. So I know it was a long-winded way and I don't know if I answered your question fully, but the best way I could describe is is, is really just being mindful Um looking at what you do on a daily basis and are you in alignment with your actions to what your lane and the race that you need to run is. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good advice. And you're right. Like there's so many different races you can run. There's so many different sports you can play. You got to pick one, right? You can't be everything to everyone. And I think that, you know, like going back to social media, just because in my generation, social media and people younger than us, like our kids' generation, it's going to be even I don't even know what it's going to do to them. But um, the mental health effects of social media in terms of causing confusion and causing FOMO, like this fear of missing out, causing all of these other things, which are actually... There's lots of positive things, like there's inspiration and all this stuff that's happening. But there's lots of other things that are happening where people are almost debilitated by it because you know, oh, look at Russell, like he's doing this. And oh, look at Jose, he's doing this. And oh, look at this guy, he's doing this. Oh, like, what am I going to do now, right? Like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to try to do, I'm going to try to do all these different things. So I think that there's some paralysis that comes from some of that and wanting to do lots of, wanting, thinking you want to be all these other people and do all these things that other people are doing. Now, if somebody um, came to me and they were having that, that dilemma, um, which, which is very real. And, and, and it's, I, I feel the exact same thing myself. <laughs> Almost every day I get up and go, who the heck wants to listen to what I have to say? And, and, and it's just like, man, it's like some days it's just like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. So, so here's, here's kind of a, a simple framework I offer to people is focus on skills, skills, execution results, and then tell people about it. Skills, to build skills that you're going to have, learn the skills that you need, execute against those skills, produce a result, and then share it, okay? Where most people get it, so skills, execution, result, share. Most people get things, maybe they, they put the share first, they don't learn the skills, and most importantly, most people never execute on it. So if you actually think about it, and, if it's, and you, you ask the question, well, what should I publish? What should I post? Stuff like that. Publish the skill that you're learning, right? What did you do to execute against it? What was the result you had? And I'm going to share it with you. Okay. Now, after you've done that, then learn and elevate, build your skills, execute against it, get a result and then share. Okay. And sharing is just another form of teaching. It helps you deepen the knowledge and then get out there. But most people share before they've developed a skill or they've executed against it. And that's where sometimes people get into, um, you know, we could talk about the imposter syndrome a little bit. And I have that all the time is I have to be very mindful of sometimes as an educator and a teacher of, I've just learned something. I just want to go share it first. No, you have to build the skill. You have to execute against it. Then you have to then get a result and then you share it after. So the key thing is to just do like, and then, if I want to simplify that that formula, is uh, learn shit, do shit, tell tell people about it. 
<laughs> Sorry if you have a, a podcast restriction on your swear words. <laughs> <laughs> no, no podcast restriction. Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, I don't know about you, Jose, but maybe we can talk a little bit. Is it okay if we talk about real estate a little bit? Oh, well, um, <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I'd love to. We'd love to. Awesome. So um, I want to ask him... I don't know what your pressing question is. But here's, and before you do it, and I know, I I don't want to step over you though. This is who you are as a person is very important uh, to who you show up and how your real estate performs. So, so what we just discussed and talking about our mindset and our, our core philosophy stuff is as important to the tactics that we're about to talk about next. It is very important is who you become in the process is as important to all the things you learn as a real estate investor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. There's so many good quotes like yeah. that one. We, uh, how you do anything is how you do it. How you do anything is how you do everything. That you choose to do. I, I yeah. added to that. Because here's the thing. Some people get freaked out about that because they feel they have to do everything. Yeah, You don't have to do yes. everything. What yes. you choose to do, you yes. do it well. And you have it to yes. a high standard. Like a lot of people get anxiety over that kind of thing because they feel they have to do everything. Yes. Right? So, and I didn't mean to jump over you and correct no, you there. No, no, we're it's, having that's a just conversation. A, a learning, that's just a learning yeah. that I just recently had on that on that quote after I thought about that and meditated on it a bit is it, it causes some anxiety. It caused anxiety with me. It caused me to sit there and go, well, geez, I should be doing more. Why am I doing more? Well, Russ, you don't, you're choosing not to do that. Okay, what I choose to do, I choose to do well. Done. Right. Okay, yeah. it reframed it. Yeah, absolutely. So Russell, you know, a lot of people right now are feeling stuck with what's going on in the economy, you know, with the interest rates. I mean, it's kind of unprecedented what has happened, right? Uh, I mean, what what kind of advice would you have for, for those people that are feeling stuck and getting unstuck uh, in today's environment? Well, there's 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 philosophical and there's tactical on what you just said. Number number one is if you have a big enough, grand enough vision and you have a big enough purpose your reason why will overcome every short-term fear, every blip, every little gyration in the marketplace. So the first thing I would encourage somebody to do is get an extreme, giant, compelling reason why your vision, refresh your vision boards, refresh your personal beliefs, go into your goal setting, just refresh all those things and just get extremely clear on the why. Okay. Then the tactical side of that is once you're clear and okay, I'm, I'm clear that in the next 10 years, I need to do X. Okay. You're clear on that. Then from there, you just dive into, um, into uh, some of the research, like uh, what you just said in, as a general statement, which is totally, totally a lot of people, that's what they will see. In certain jurisdictions and certain marketplaces, that isn't the re- reality. The reality is the exact opposite. Um, and if we had a longer conversation, we could talk about probably what you're doing in Atlanta and what you're doing in different markets. And some of those markets, like what, what's happening in Alberta, um, is a completely different reality than what's happening in British Columbia and Ontario. And it's just like people yeah. in Alberta are sitting there going, geez, our, our market's on fire, our rents, are we getting a thousand ads, a thousand leads that are coming in for things like this. And and we, we've we just opened up our density laws. How do we add more housing? We're adding another two and a half million people in the next little while. How do we provide housing to them? Oh, let's create new zoning bylaws to build more houses. That's a completely different perspective. 
than out in the, the in the uh, the nimbies and the bananas out in the, out in Ontario and and uh, rent controls and everybody fighting amongst each other, right? So so right. Yeah. so I would suggest is get clear in your why, get clear in your purpose, and then get into your research and dive into and then find the areas that make sense that are performing very well that will work really hard for you, and then and then research that further. Like you guys live in Ontario, correct? Still, I yeah. believe, and you're investing yeah. in elsewhere, correct? That's right, yeah. right? Because yeah, and that was just, that's the same reason because yeah. we we felt for the last two years that you know this market is just not working for us. Yeah. It's uh, there's too much capital chasing deals, and uh, you know for all these other reasons that you mentioned, like landlord friendliness. Um, you know that's why we decided to look elsewhere. Yeah. And, and, and the big thing that I, I encourage somebody, so if somebody's sitting here and they're confused, well, where do we look? Where do we look? I'm not telling you where you should look. I'm telling you that you should just do your research and homework. And and one of the things I'm working on right now is a little bit of a thesis, and I'm going to put out a, a fairly comprehensive video on it, is dive into affordability of markets, okay? Dive into a lot of the studies. So affordability in its simplest terms is, you know, an average homeowner, how much is it going to cost of their income to to buy an average property in that area, Okay, dive into that, dive into the trends of that, dive into what makes up an affordable market. Typically, what impacts affordability is number one is interest rates are huge. Number two is incomes are the other. The other is housing prices. Okay, um, those are the big. The other, and then you can get into detail of densities and all that kind of stuff. But think about that. If you look at a, 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 an affordability graph right now, and if you see that maybe a market that you're investing in over time, there's been ups, there's been flats, there's been downs and stuff. Maybe you see a market that's absolutely at ridiculous high, you believe is a ridiculous high, okay? Um, what has to happen in order to affordability to get in line? So number one is everybody's talking affordability. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to fix affordability. So what has to happen in order to get fixed in line? Interest rates have to come down, which they they can or cannot. I think they will, but they won't come down to emergency rates again, I don't believe. Number two is people have to start earning significantly more money, which I believe people will and they start doing, but that's really slow and really sticky and it takes time. And the other is the housing price. So do you want to be on the bottom of an affordability curve of a market that potentially is going up or do you want to be on the top of an affordability curve where it potentially has a greater chance of going down? Like I'm not saying it's going to go down, but over time, Markets have to balance themselves over time with affordability because if you don't have people being able to afford to buy properties in that market, people will leave. And I know a lot of people in Ontario are sitting there going, well, we have all these 400,000 people, immigrants coming to to Toronto. Okay, got it. But if they ain't making $220,000 a year, they can't afford a home. Sure, they may come, they may land in, in Toronto, establish for a little bit, and they go, geez, well, we can't afford here. So let's go to another affordable marketplace. That's why you saw 53,000 people move to Calgary in the last 12 months. That's why you saw record numbers of immigration of people out, out of province uh, migration out of BCs and Ontarios going to more affordable marketplaces. So just study people study because real estate is, is in my personal opinion is a study of people really because people yeah. have to live and, and where do they want to live yeah. right 
So long way away, and we could we could go into this no, forever. Was, we could bust out a answer. what's behind the curtain session here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I you brought up such an interesting point because it's so funny to me that, especially in Ontario, the sentiment, I mean, granted, we've ridden um some historic appreciation waves and we've made a lot of money. Anybody who's invested in Ontario over the last decade has meant made a ton of money in appreciation. Yep. And um I, I hear people even now today, um, you know, we've had conversations in the last two weeks where it's like, hey, you know, we j- it doesn't matter if we're even breaking even right now yep. because in 15 years, we're going to be laughing because oh, of exactly maybe. what you were saying because yep. of all these, you know, influx and in migration and all of this, this stuff you're talking about. However, I think that what you said is a really important point is that is there affordability? Yes, there's people going to be coming. Yes, we're going to have huge population increases. Yes, there's going to be limited numbers of homes for the amount of people here. However, can those people buy the product? Yeah. Do they have the money to buy the product? I get it. And then also, you know, there's going to be lots of things that we haven't even discussed. Um, the whole thing of new new density laws, all that kind of stuff. Like I'm all for new density. But at the same time, it's going to be very sticky. And it's going to be very, there's going to be lots of... Um, Lots of NIMBYs, not in my backyard. It's like, sit there, think about this for a second. You own a $1.6 million home in Toronto that you just bought and whatever, and that's probably a cheap home. And you have a nice piece of lot. And then all of a sudden, somebody builds a fourplex beside you, yeah. right? Um, how are you feeling about your one point, the value of your $1.6 million one house? Yeah. Right. So, so there's a lots, there's lots of things to discuss at the same time. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, just, it's, it's, Sometimes it's beyond my pay grade, but I, I love I love the Rubik's Cube of this whole thing to try to figure it out. At the end of the day, is just what do I need to execute on? What do I feel confident about and some certainty on how do I move forward? And um, like, don't get me wrong, I, I'm not here to cast any shade on British Columbia or Ontario. I would have been far better off financially if I would have taken some taken some chips off the table in 2008 in my market, invested into those places, and I'm very public that I told a lot of my clients to start pulling some chips off the Ontario British Columbia table in 2021, early 2021. I said, this is a good time to sell your dog properties, pull some chips off the table, time to get it back over here into the prairies, into the West, buy into here, ride the next wave off, pull your chips off this table, and then maybe move back to where you were before. Or by that time, just go to Hawaii, go down to Florida, <laughs> buy, your, buy, your, buy your place on your paradise on the beach. You know, two cycles or three cycles if you don't need too many more if you do if you do it right i sure hope you're enjoying this episode before we jump back to the conclusion our strategic partners from streetwise mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip all right take it away dahlia Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and today I will share with you a tip on how to get the best value for a property you're looking to refinance. Number one, avoid system appraisals. While system appraisals may be cheaper or free of charge, they can only support the value based on the sold comparables in the area. They do not take into consideration any unique characteristics about your property. Therefore, In my view, it is best to go with an actual appraiser's visit, even if it costs you a little bit more. Number two, if you have renovated or improved the property, share with the appraiser or your mortgage broker an executive summary that includes the following. Before and after pictures, a list of the work done, how much you spent, 
any permits and any sold comparables within the past 90 days that your realtor can provide. And finally, number three, working with a mortgage broker will give you better leverage in resolving any value discrepancies with the appraiser versus working directly with the lender. If you're looking to refinance a property or wish to develop a complementary financing roadmap to grow your portfolio, our team at Streetwise Mortgages will help you unlock your possibilities. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Cheers to your success. That's, that's uh, a lot of information packed into a few minutes. I think that so many, so many golden nuggets there. And I think people, I hope people replay that uh, about, you know, the economies and the cycles and um, studying people and all of these different uh, amazing points that were brought here because this is what we learned from what Russell and Rain, like this is where we started and, and Don, this is the yeah, first yeah. time in Don Campbell where we started thinking in terms of economic fundamentals and yep. really that word completely changed our investing trajectory. Well, and I, I'm going to offer a, a very humble moment here for a second is um, I'm the reason why I'm extremely passionate and very mindful about it is I did not take my own advice um, 15 years ago. Like if I would have taken, if I would have heard, if I would have heard what I'm saying now, 15 years ago, um, as a matter of fact, some people told me those things and I didn't listen to them because that market was going to go up forever. And I, and then I actually, during a, a peak of a marketplace, I bought, I doubled my portfolio, more than doubled. And in some cases, it still hasn't come back to where it was, um, you know, 15 years later or more, 18 in some cases, right? So I'm just very mindful of, of that markets do go in waves, markets do go in cycles. And, and then the other thing I'm also very mindful of too is your love and passion and fuel for the business also goes in waves and cycles too. Like there's sometimes Absolutely. when you're on the top of the world and nothing can go wrong and we're amazing and all this kind of stuff. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, 18 months later, you're going, Oh my goodness. I wish that like, I'm not saying this, I'm not putting this out there in any way, shape or form, but Holy moly, I wish that property would burn down <laughs> without tenants yeah. in it. Right. It's just like you, you go in waves. Sometimes you have to fall back in love with your portfolio again. And that's one of the things that I learned over time is, you know, sometimes there's highs, sometimes there's lows, but the key thing is that you just need to, to just keep pushing through and pursuing through it no matter what. Everyone looks like a genius when the market's going up, right? Yep. It doesn't take it doesn't take too much to yep. make money. And that's one and, of the one of the yeah. things that I lose a little bit of sleep over is um and I'm I'm just mindful because I have a sorry if I'm gonna swear here for a second, but I have a high give a shit factor um for people. One of the things that I have a deep regret about is that I maybe didn't now, hindsight's always 2020, 20, obviously, that I didn't probably share that information in 27, 2007, 2008. I didn't share those learn lessons, learning that peaks of markets can be can be hard. I didn't learn a lot of those lessons. Um, and really the big thing, if I was to really be reflective on it, is sharing um, being a good operator of a business, being a good operator of the property is more important than people give it credit for. Most people are entrepreneurs. Most people, real estate investors, they get excited about a MLI select mortgage or how do I raise capital or how do I buy this deal? And holy moly, look at the negotiations. Nobody ever gets excited about the property management, the financial controls, the systems, the policies and the procedures. And, and I have some very 
very clear um, stories that I could share till the cows came home about how the difference between somebody that fails and somebody that makes it is that the 100% the reason about their operations, their financial controls, and their management of the assets. So that would be another thing I would really so tell people to lean saying, into. Couldn't agree yeah, more. Couldn't agree more. I think that's, it's so funny you're saying that because that like really resonates with me like deep inside because uh, since 2000 and I'd say 12, um, yeah. we took back all of our own management. Yep. We had our own property management in-house. And it's funny because when I used to tell people that, like I'm talking a decade ago, people would look at me like, oh, that's not a good use of your time. Oh, you know, you should be focusing on doing things that are, uh, you know, like capital raising and, uh, you know, things that are more worthy of an entrepreneur, not managing tenants. And, you know, of course, you start at the bottom, right? Back then, I didn't have staff and I didn't have systems, but I always knew that I needed to control the asset, the, the, the leasing that the... The the upkeep of the asset itself um, was so integral to the business. And, you know, as we've scaled to over 150 units now, like we have our everything in-house. And even Jose and I were talking about this whole syndication thing and all the things that are happening in the U.S. And, you know, even when we first started doing our Atlanta deal, the first conversation Jose and I had together was, hey, how are we different than all the other syndicators out there? Like what value do we have to add? And we looked at each other and I said to Jose, it's because we are operators. Yep. Yes, you can go raise the capital, you can underwrite the deal, all that good stuff. But we are operators. Yep. We can operate 150 units here. Why can't we operate 120 units in Atlanta? Like yep. we can do that. Yep. We've we've operated our own units, right? Yep. And the, the the issue is is that most of the people who've scaled and scaled fast, they've never really been in the trenches. They don't even know how to. A lot of them don't even know basic things about maintenance and yeah. operations of their properties, yeah. right? So it is a little bit scary. Yeah, I was almost, almost going to give you an amen here, sister. You're yeah. preaching to the queen. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah it's, um, it, it's, it's, yeah, like. And don't know, get me wrong. It's awful. It's, it's grunt work at the uh, beginning. It's, and it is. It's, it's like. Yeah. Not the, the sexy part of the business, but it is, it is, part. it is the, it is, it's the important thing that is the most important thing. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's. Because sometimes it takes you five years, up to five years yep. to realize your business plan. And, you know, you got to have that uh, resilience along the way because there's so many ups and downs. Things are not going the right way, not in the right direction. Or you got interest rate hikes to worry about, or you, you got investors to worry about. They were expecting yep. some, cash, some cash flow distributions, which, you know, you, you got to explain to them. So there's so many yep. components to it, investor relations. Yep. Once the closing is done, I mean, don't get me wrong, that that uh, the front uh, portion is very important of finding the deals and underwriting. You got to buy the right property at the right price. Yeah, raising make, the capital. And raising the capital to get to the closing table. But, you know, the actual work is in the operations, uh, that long-term, you know, three to the five-year-old. The, yeah. yep. <laughs> the, the, the important stuff. And, and do you mind if I just share a quick story on, on that? Of course. Uh, so I just had another one of those humbling moments fairly recently. So one of the things I'm doing is, you know, version 3.5 and version 4 of myself is I'm cleaning up all the operations. I'm fixing all those kind of things. That's one of the the other commitments I've made at the same time. But I was, and, and as as recently of, as, as last year, I was telling a lot of the stories that I bought in, you know, in Alberta at a certain time of the marketplace and they were in bad areas that attracted bad tenants and I overpaid and all those kind of things. And, and, and I sat back there and I looked at it as 
and, and it was 100% true. What I just said was 100% true until I had a conversation with a good friend of mine I hadn't met for a while. We had over a beer and they bought the exact same properties at the exact same time. They had the exact same tenant profiles that I did over the same time. And their, their properties, they managed them really tight. Like I had, let's say 100. They had 20, okay? And um, they managed them like a tight ship. They weathered a lot of the storms. They uh, were very good operators. And now they're in a point where the mortgages are significantly lower. And they're at a point where they potentially can start being paid by that property over a period of time. And my experience was the opposite. Okay. So I said there, the, the sobering realization that I came down to is, hmm, it, it's 100% my fault. It was 100%. I need to have ownership to that property. I needed to have ownership to the operation. I needed to have 100% extreme ownership to it. And I did not own and manage those properties well, because here's somebody who did, and they're in a completely different situation than I was in those same complexes, right? And it was an extremely humbling tail between the legs of uh, I, yes, lesson learned again. But but here's the thing is, you, 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 you dust yourself off, you have a humble moment, you beat yourself up, you do all those kind of things, you forgive yourself, and then you get inspired to make some changes and move forward. But that's that's usually what comes out of those really humbling tail between the leg moments is that you dust yourself off, the sun will always come up tomorrow. And what are you going to do about it? Make the changes, keep doing it, keep going, because you ain't quitting. There's just no, that's not an option. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Yeah, for sure. So talk to us about motivation. Um, how do you continue to fuel yourself and to keep yourself motivated, um, especially after being in the game for so many years, like 20 years is a long time. And, yep. you know, to continue to, like you said, you know, just wake up one more day and you keep going and you keep going. But for some people, either like they get into this ultimate plateau, ultimate comfort, or they they give up. The, yeah. the, the obstacles become too too harsh for them to continue forward. So what is it that's allowed you to sort of endure? Because it sounds like you have a lot of endurance to be able to sort of keep moving forward and keep growing through all these different versions and all this these different cycles. Well, sometimes you don't have a choice. <laughs> sometimes you have, uh, you know, little, little ones that are counting on you, little ones that are looking over your shoulder and you don't have a choice, which is, but so, so to succinctly answer your question, um, I've come to, I've, I've, I see motivation a little bit differently. Like, don't get me wrong. Motivation is fantastic and you'll always do more with it, but sometimes you just have to do it. Even if you're not feeling it, not motivated anyways, you have to just get up and you just have to do it no matter, no matter what. So the, the best way I would describe how to really do that is just get extremely intentional on where you want to get to have extreme ownership to a big giant compelling goal and then having an attitude of whatever it takes, whatever it's required, you're going to do the work to keep getting there. Fall in love with doing the work. Fall in love with doing the process. Most people, and this is an exercise I get people to do. Everybody's heard of like a vision board or a personal beliefs or things like that. And it's wonderful. I got multiple of I got them all over my office. And it's beautiful. It's out there, the beach house, the lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. And most people sit there and they look at it and they go, yeah, it's so far away from where I am right now. I don't believe it. 
So make a vision board of you doing the work. Make a vision board of you sweating the details. Make a vision board of you, you know, if you need to get in shape, make a vision board of you trying to push the weights up. Make a vision board of you in the process of doing it because that's more believable right? That is the most important is that you have to love the process. You have to love the work. The more work you put in, the greater the chance you have of getting to that beach house. The greater chance, I'm getting so excited, I'm getting firing up here, is the greater the chance. So, so love the work, get very intentional. And just even if you don't feel like it, do it anyways. You still have to just get it done. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's so true because I, I see this all the time, even in on your um, Instagram, you do these videos, you know, you're going for a run and you talk about the same thing, right? It's, it's, is you gotta, you gotta be able to enjoy the process. Yep. Like, well, let's be honest. The, like you said, it's a walk, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> all in love with the process. Well, let's, let's, I, I make the joke. No, but you, you do it, you yeah, do it regardless yeah. if it's, you know, minus 20 outside, uh, or not yeah. snowing or no, not snowing, it, you do it anyways, right? Because yeah. it's something that you've committed to doing. Yeah. And I make and the joke, uh, if you ever see me running, you better run too, because something's probably chasing, <laughs> something's probably chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah, falling in love with the, the process of, of, of working, you know, it's because we all have these days, like I might have this every day in the morning where I just want to lie in bed for a little bit longer, you know? Yeah. I just, it's it's hard well, face the day and and go through Yeah. yeah. And we could it's a we phase could you don't want to face the day. Yeah. I, I 100%. It's it's 100% real. Um and we could go into an entire in-depth conversation about what's happened to us over the last couple of years. And um, I believe it's been a little case study of what happens when humans get displaced from working and what happens when the humans aren't, when the human species doesn't produce something and be productive and contribute and things like that. Why do you think we're maybe having um, addiction problems and overdoses yeah. and mental health and stuff like that? As a species, we need to be producing. We need to feel that we had a reward from the work. We need to be in in the action. That's one of the things is I, I, I am torn a little bit, and this is a complete digression here. I'm a torn a little bit of this whole AI thing. I, I really am. On one hand, I think it's fantastic. And then on the other hand, I think it can be quite dangerous all at the same time. Um, and that's a deeper conversation that we potentially can have here as well. But I just encourage people when in doubt, just shoot the puck. Like when in doubt, do something. When in doubt, if you're just feeling stuck, help somebody else out. When you're feeling stuck or you're just not feeling it, do it anyways. Okay? Just, just yeah. in, because in that doing of something, something happens and that's where the magic lies. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because people talk themselves down themselves. It's like, you know, oh, like, you know, I, right now is not the right time. Like the economy is in a bad place. Like I'll just, we'll pick this conversation up in a year or, you know, like we're okay right now. I don't think we really need to worry too much. Like we'll just, we'll just, we'll just manage. Like people, it's self, it's self, um, doubt and self, whatever. I don't know what the words are. I'm not good at this stuff, but yep. like it's, it, it comes from within a lot of it. And and the fact that, you know, you, when you wake up in the morning, how you talk to yourself and what you tell you, you force yourself to do is what's actually going to happen. And trust me, um, I don't know if you're a parent, but like when you have kids, like 
60% of what you do is because you have to do it. You have no choice, right? It's like the kid screaming in the night and you got to get out of your bed and you got to get to the kid. It's not a, it's not an option. Right. So um, I think a lot of, for me personally, a lot of my training and in, in discipline and all of that stuff has come from being a parent. And it's just like not giving, you don't not give yourself choices. You don't have the choice to say, yes, I want to do this or I don't. It's, it's non-negotiable. It has to be done. Yep. Yep. Do it anyways. Right. Yeah, non-negotiable yeah. is, you know, and I often, you know, here's the, you know, let's, let's circle back to motivation. Here's, here's an, uh, a reframe that I have for people for motivation. It all depends on the situation. For example, um, you have a child that's playing on the train tracks and there's a train coming. Um, are you going to sit there and go, um, excuse me, um, dear, come over here. Come on. Oh, come, come. Or are you going to sit there and get off the tracks? You're going to get up. You're going to be fired up. You're going to be out there. You're going to run over there and you're going to rescue the baby from harm. That's the situational awareness of that too, right? You're not going to just, oh, geez, my voice isn't very good today. No, you're going to be superwoman and superman and you're going to go swoop in and grab the child up and get them out of harm's way. So here's what I encourage people to do is if you're lacking that inspiration and motivation, get yourself in an environment where you have no option. Get yourself in an environment where you got, and I'm sorry for being, dramatic and being very um, maybe um, hyperbole here and, and all this kind of stuff, but get yourself in a situation and an environment where you have to save the day and you'll be shocked at what you accomplish of that. Even if it's just, you have to make it up, get yourself in that environment where you just got to swoop in and save the day. Cause that's where you get things done. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's such good advice. You know, it's funny at the end of uh, our podcast, we always ask our guests like, hey, like, is there a quote or, um, you know, a book or or something that you'd want to share that resonates with your life or your business or that's motivational? But Russell, like, I think you've dropped like, I don't know, like 50 bombs already. So I'm not really sure what what you could, what I could ask you right now, but we'll ask you anyway, yeah. if there's one that you... Uh, yeah, especially a book because, yeah. you know, something that's non-real estate and just something that, uh, I know you're an avid reader, a great book that you've, um, you know, could be an all-time classic or something new that you've picked up. Yeah, well, um, I can go, that can go many different, I, I'm going to over-deliver if you're okay. I'm going to leave you with with a, a book and then also I'm going to leave you with a philosophy and a story at the, towards Perfect. the end. So, I so number one, bo- first book, and there's a bit of a backstory to this too. So I was having a conversation with a friend that I hadn't seen in a while and hadn't talked to for a couple of years. And I'm not going to give all the details of it, but I was five minutes before my conversation, he was telling me about this book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, on my shelf, I have that book. And of all my books on my shelf, that book was upside down. So five minutes before I had this conversation with this person, I go, geez, that book is upside down. So I fixed it, turned it around. Having this conversation with this person, he said I he had a, a, a near-death experience. And he says, I discovered that book and it changed my life. And I'm just sitting there going, I go, I, I could drop an F-bomb here. But I said... No kidding. Like I, it was, I just looked at it. It was upside down on my bookshelf. Something told me I need to read that book again. So The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Fantastic book for everybody to read. Now, the last thing I'm going to do is just kind of maybe a core philosophy and helping people out is I encourage everybody to get very clear on your core intention of your life. Okay, get clear in your core intention. And then the goal is every single day into be an alignment with that core intention. And I'll give you an example. My core intention in life is to inspire, encourage and come from love. 
That's my core intention. Now, I have my daily checklist of things that I need to do today that I need to fulfill upon that core intention. Every interaction I have, every podcast episode I record, every coaching session I have, how I judge that, how I did was, did I inspire? Did I encourage? And did I come from love in that conversation? Even when it's going to be a difficult conversation of letting a service provider go, did I inspire? Did I encourage? And did I come from love? And if you live your day in alignment with your core intention, you will have a successful life over time. Yeah, that's really good Mm -hmm. advice. And I think that example really helped because I think that some people may not understand what a core intention could even be because people don't really think that deeply on a day-to-day basis. Well, it's right? just a, it's a governing. Uh, let's put yeah. it this way: maybe to for like if there's any, if there's any tech nerds, it's your operating system of your life. It's it's yeah. your it's your iOS of your life is your yeah. intention, and and that's is the other analogy I use is it would be the lenses that you look your life through is through your intention. That's how you analyze your properties. Like for example, if I'm analyzing a deal, does this inspire me? Does this encourage me? And will I love the project? Done. If it's if any of those are are no's, then pass. No, thank you. Just being intentional yeah. in everything you do. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Easy, sometimes okay. easy to say, but difficult to do. But that's the goal yeah. is to 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 execute against that intention every day. Absolutely. Yeah, no, for sure. Jose is Jose is still making it yeah, here. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm writing notes. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to mean to take you guys off on on many tangents yeah. here. I just I yeah, just, I know. So, so it just much warms learning. my heart to see you guys. Honestly, it was uh, I was thoroughly looking forward to this conversation for for many many months. By the way. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, same here, uh, Russell. As I mentioned, you were such an inspiration to uh, our life, and uh, you know, she mentioned this as well. Um, just such a humble guy, and and you, you were, you were truly, you truly an inspiration to many, many investors. Yeah, Jose, before uh, every, this, everybody that has touched 100%. your life, uh, that you know, you, you're, you're such an amazing guy, and we. Loved having you on our on our show. Yeah, it was such such a awesome. Ex- and before this podcast, I think he must have. I think three days ago, I was like, "Did you get Russell's stuff? Russell's coming on the show. Russell's coming on the show tomorrow." I can't wait to talk to Russell. Russell is the nicest guy. I can't wait to talk to Russell tomorrow. So trust me, he was like super pumped to reconnect with you. And I, I truly do want you to like, it is with all our heart that he, you have impacted Jose so deeply and, and our journey like so, so much. So actually, I remember uh, the first podcast that I ever did was with, with, uh, with you, Russell. Um, And, and, you know, of course, at that time, I very, very nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. And even today, I mean, I'm. This is uncomfortable for me, uh, but you know, we just did it anyways, right? Yep. Start yep. our own podcast. Well, I, I, it's funny. I, I, we did those interview series, and I'm trying to remember when. And I had a conversation with another person way back, and it, it was, it was before podcast was even a thing. It was just, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. and I sit there, I go, I shudder to think of what we could have done if we would have kept it going all these years. We could have been, I could have been cashing a Joe Rogan contract or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> but here, yeah, you never know. Sometimes we were just we were just early adopters and we were early innovators. But at the end of the day, you just have to consistently follow through. And and and, yeah. and I didn't mean to deflect what you guys said. Thank you. That's the, the right answer. Was thank you. I'm I'm I'm. That means a lot coming from you guys that you said those very kind words and I'm and I'm honored and that that is like fuel to me to just keep going. So not that I need something from outside, but it's nice to hear that you've had a positive impact on people's lives and I'm I'm grateful. Thank you. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So Russell, if people want to follow you, which I highly encourage them to do, uh, what's, uh, well, link it in our show notes as well, but what are some of the ways that people can follow your journey or get in touch if they're interested in coaching or just reaching out? um, Well, the simplest way, and I just, maybe I'll put something on the bottom of my, if people are watching there, you can have, um, the simplest way is if you Google my name russellwestcott.com it's i'm not russell westbrook like if you start typing in russell west yeah. russell westbrook comes up first i'm not him um if you just google my name russellwestcott.com you'll find many different things i'm having a blast doing my my youtube channel having a blast doing my podcast as well and and the final thing i would just kind of leave with is um i i firmly believe that um if you've been a blessing, if you've been blessed, like I've been blessed by so many mentors. I've been blessed by people that have touched me, that I've learned from. I've stood on the shoulders of giants. I've been blessed. And when, you, when, you, when you've been blessed, you, it's your obligation and your duty to be a blessing to others. So that's what I'm doing right now in this phase of my career as well, is I'm obligated to share to the next generations of, of, of real estate investors that are coming out there, all the mentors and lessons that I've learned, the good, the bad, the ugly. As a matter of fact, the uglier, the better to tell the story because people need to be aware of what they're getting into. And if you're aware of what you're getting into and you don't sign up to get involved with it, that's okay. Actually, that's a good thing. But most people get in with blinders and then after a few years, they sit there and go, geez, that would sucked and that was harder than I thought. Um, and, and you just need to be prepared. So, so these shoulders are, are not very big sometimes, but I, I like to think that I have shoulders that I have as many people as want to stand on them so we can all see further together as a community. That's where I'm at right now. So. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, no, definitely check out uh, Russell's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I, uh, you know, so many golden uh, nuggets there. Um, Follow along on Instagram. Yeah, we'll link. We'll link his podcast, um, LinkedIn, all of that good stuff in our show notes. So just my name is your your books are also amazing. You know. Yes, we forgot to talk (laughs) about. What's funny? I I often I often forget myself that I actually have co-authored two books. It's like (laughs) it's been a while, and and uh, one of my coaching clients just published a book, and I was sitting there after going, "Do I want to go through the work to do another one? Mm, Maybe not." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's a lot of work. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, so yeah. what's next? Thanks what's up for you guys? You guys are just like I said from the beginning. I'm a huge fan. You guys are just crushing it out there. What's what's next for you guys? If you don't mind me asking. Oh man, that's such a hard question. We're also in one of those um, intersecting moments in yeah. our life right now, where we're trying to determine uh, what we do next and where we go. Um, reevaluating our core values, our goals, our, our life, and, and trying to see uh, what, what it is, it is that's going to fuel us and what we need um, to make us ourselves and our family uh, feel most uh, fulfilled right now. Yep. So um, we're doing a lot of, uh, we're making some lifestyle decisions right now in terms of what we buy. We're buying, uh, we're growing our short-term rental business uh, primarily in the United States. So we're buying cabins and properties um, that we can hopefully use as well all over the country um, from the mountains to the beaches is our goal to have some properties for ourselves. Um, Looking into potentially doing some boutique hotels because I think that would be fun and exciting and different from multifamily. And then of course, uh, you know, multifamily is still our bread and butter. So we still continue to operate our portfolio and we're always looking for deals. But... um, definitely uh, have branched off into doing other things that 
excite us and provide the the types of returns that we need right now. Yep. So, I mean, I know a lot of real estate investors, a lot of our assets are legacy assets. They provide long-term wealth creation, but, you know, it would be nice for us to create more cash flow in our life and yep. have more um, geographical freedom, yep. which I think are two really big, important things that we're working towards right now. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, um, I'm I'm watching from afar with a big <laughs> giant bowl of popcorn and whatever the decision you guys decide to do and commit to, I know you're going to be successful at it because it's just who you are as people. And I know you do it the right way. You give back, you help, you, you provide value, you inspire others. And the world needs more of you guys out there. They truly do. And um, I, for one, can't wait to see that decision and what you guys create. So so if you ever need any help, you let me know. You know where to find me, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks Russell. Yeah, happy to help. Really so, gang, what did you think? Did you enjoy this episode? Did you enjoy the um, the conversation tone a little bit? You know, I, I sometimes I get into, um, you know, teacher mode and presentation Russ mode. And, and I forget that we're just having a conversation amongst friends and we're having a conversation amongst colleagues and having a conversation with you. And you're just, you know, on our, for lack of a better terms, you're on our shoulder and you're just listening in on a wonderful conversation. Um, you know, I probably should do the math, but I, between the, the three people that were on, on the conversation, I think there was, you know, multiple hundreds and hundreds of, of properties transacted in probably more than 35 years of experience all wrapped into that conversation. And you got to have the opportunity to listen in. What were some of your key takeaways? What were some of the things that you're going to do with this information? What are some of the action items that you gleaned from this conversation, from this experience? What was some of the next steps? Because just passively listening to something is wonderful. You're better to just passively listen to something than to not listen to it. Like, Don't get me wrong. That definitely helps. But at the same time, if you don't do anything with it, it was just a waste. It truly was, right? You could have taken that same hour time and focus on implementation and execution of something that you're sinking your teeth into and you would have been further ahead. Okay, gang? So I strongly encourage you to take some notes. I strongly encourage you to do something from this. I strongly encourage you if something uh, inspired you to reach out have a conversation, book a consultation. Um, I'm still offering free consultations, just as an FYI. If there is a show, if in the show notes, if there is a link in the notes below, um, reach out. And if there's, I'm very protective of my time, but at the same time, I make my calendar um, available. So if there's a time available, you will click on the link. You'll get sent to, you know, a few questions. I just want to be prepared for our conversation. And then after that, you will get a direct link to my calendar. And you and I can have a direct one-on-one -on -one conversation to see if I can help you move forward. Um, I've been blessed with 20 plus years of experience. I've been blessed with some of the most amazing mentors in my life. And it is my duty and my obligation to share that forward with each and every one of you, if you're interested in taking a step and to invest into yourself, if you're interested in looking for the next step, if you're interested in getting unstuck, if you're interested in just more, then I can help you. 
but you have to take the first step. Okay, gang? With all that being said, always remember in every interaction with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.